1: of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Meryl Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care, with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Meryl Griff.
2: Welcome to Caught Between Generations. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. So when the announcement of this week's show went out, I received a number of emails that said, "Ah, oh, Dr. Merle, I love the show and the topics are so right on. I mean, we've talked about family estrangement, addiction to chronic pain and pain medications, oh, verbal abuse, ADHD, autism. You know, I don't understand why we're going to be talking about play. I mean, it's just part of a child's life. We, you know, we buy them toys and they play with them. So, well, maybe we try to buy educational toys or better toys. I understand there's some concern about technology and iPads and iPhones, but, I mean, come on now, Dr. Merle. As caregivers, play is just not a critical issue. Well, I will tell you, I disagree. So if you read any of the mom blogs or any of the parent podcasts, one of the key issues that parents are trying to deal with is the question of the value of play. David Elkine, who's a very well-known psychologist, believes that we have our children on such rigid, tight schedules that we don't allow time for being creative, for lying on the grass and watching the clouds. Now, some Preschools, daycares, some schools tell parents play is not important. And children need to be exposed to what is often called hard learning, which means the ABCs, preschool readiness skills, educational, academic items. And they need to be exposed at a very early age. So parents are asking. They're confused. I mean, just how important is play? Should I be looking for a preschool that is academically oriented or that have integrated play into their curriculum as an important element? They're just confused. And when you look at all the parent blogs and the magazines and the Facebook pages, I mean, they're filled with confusion and concern. And why? Because I know as parents, you want to do the best that you can do for your children. And the rest of us, we want to support you in being the best parents you possibly can be. Our guests today have helped many, many people across the country understand the role of play and the importance of creative play and its correlation to academic learning and school success. Their approach is called Loose Parts, and the good news is that it uses easily attainable materials. I had uh, an art therapy teacher one time who used to call this good junk. That's what she used to call it. Like the stuff lying around in your house and your drawers that you need to clean out and some other easily attainable things she used to call the good junk. Lisa Daly and Miriam Beloglowski are our guests today. They are early childhood educators who are presented, as I said, throughout the country. And they are the authors of the books, Loose Parts, Inspiring Play in Young Children, and Inspiring Play with Infants and Toddlers. Welcome, Lisa and Miriam, to Caught Between Generations. It's great to have you.
3: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: Oh, thank you. So, Lisa, let's begin with you. So, how do children learn through play?
0: Well, everything they do is based upon play. It's an active uh, form of learning that really unites their mind and their body and their spirit. Um, But when they are they are using real experiences to try to organize concepts, try to figure out how the world is working and operating. Um, Play enables children really to learn about learning um, through their curiosity, through invention, um, through self-discovery, by staying on task, and really in a whole host of other ways. Um, I would say that play reduces tension, too, that comes... um, Children are really stressed today. They have a lot happening in their lives, and play just provides that opportunity for them um, really, you know, to have a playful attitude, um, to have an attitude toward inventiveness. Um, it really contributes to their um, health and their well-being, to their intellectual development, their social-emotional development, their physical skills, but it just provides opportunity for them to practice all of those skills.
2: So what are some of the concerns that play is disappearing from the early childhood environments?
3: I think probably the main concern is the fact that we have moved from a very um, free type of play and enjoyment to a very academic atmosphere. Our time is focusing on meeting standards. It is focusing on repetition, having the children know the ABCs and 1, two, threes. and schools are moving the curriculum further, pushing it down further into the early ages, when in reality, there is a huge concern about the lack of play and the lack of time children are spending just engaging in self-motivated, open-ended play. And it's interesting because even the American Academy of Pediatrics issued a research paper on the importance of play and bringing it back to the point where children are really, really engaging in deep, meaningful interactions as they're playing because that's really what supports their development.
2: So let's talk about the elements of play and how they connect um, to learning and later academic success. So... Um, For instance, you know, let's talk about reading. So, what many people don't realize, and I want you to picture a book um, in Mm -hmm. front of you, that one of the skills involved in reading is what we call tracking. And so, you have to begin from the left, and you have to go across the line to the right, and then your eye has to come back to the left again, and then go across um, to the right. Um, And that's a skill that most children have, and some children don't, actually. So, let's talk about eye-hand coordination, and how that appears in play.
0: Well, I think, um, you know, we're real advocates for play with loose parts, those open-ended materials, and as children are working with them, they have to use their eyes as they're reaching out and grasping them. Um, They have to know the distance um, so that they're able to judge how far and where um, their body um, actually in, in space and so their eyes are working with their hands. The eyes and the motor system together are starting. So as they are playing, you know, they're stirring a concoction, or perhaps they're taking a piece of driftwood and they're drag- dragging it through the sand. And, um, but all of those things, the children are watching. They're watching with their eyes and seeing where their hand is going. And so you have this visual memory that begins um, at the very beginning developing that sense of
3: tracking.
2: What about fine and gross motor skills?
3: It's interesting, too, because one of the things that we have been noticing in a lot of the work that we do is that children are not developing the gross motor skills, especially in the upper torso. So if you watch a child as they're writing, um, Lisa tends to always say they are leaning all the way forward to support their body so that they can actually then move their fingers and their hands to trace letters or to do some sort of drawing or, or writing. So in play, they begin to really develop the gross motor skills because if you think about it, development is a holocaudal so, and, and um, prosimic distal. So they really need to develop the gross motor before they can start using their fine motor skills. And the best way to do that is in engaging in big type of play with big loose parts where they can move them and carry them and transport them. And build with
2: them. I want to talk a little bit about um, what you refer to in your book as self-regulation. Um, in my work with parents and young children, um, we often talked about school readiness skills, and that one of the things children needed to learn um, was how to control themselves, and um, how to con- and how to wait, and how to take turns, and how to you know sit in the proverbial circle time talk to me a little bit about about play and self-regulation self-regulation is something that takes time for children to develop but they
0: need to be able to do it on their own it has to come from within And they do not learn how to self-regulate their emotions or their behaviors um, if an adult is always doing that for them, if the adult's telling them what to do. But through play, um, it's something that's freely chosen. The child is the one who is in control of it. So the child can decide how long they want to do the activity they're doing, what they're actually doing. And so it gives them that opportunity to have the power and control to start determining, I like this. I want to do it longer. You know, this is a little frustrating for me, but I'm going to persevere and I'm going to keep on doing it. But you see this intensity with play. Children will stay focused far longer, um, you know, as they're engaged um when you are interested as an adult, you stay totally absorbed and um, focused in what you're doing and the same is that with children and so as they're working with materials, it also gives them that opportunity to release some emotion. You know, they can squeeze things really hard or they can pound them and so we're using you know different body strength for that which can release some of that energy which will also help them but we need to be able to self regulate because later in Life, We're going to be faced with different challenges. We're going to be frustrated by something. We're going to be angered by something. And so when we play, we have ways of learning how to self-regulate our behavior. So
2: as we get older, we have different strategies and how we can cope. I think that's really a very, very important point because it's a discussion that goes on a lot especially even as children get older because there's always that, the discussion of, well, you know, when some of us were a little older, when we were younger, you know, you went outside and you played in a group. You played in a neighborhood, and you did have conflicts, and you did have problems, and you solved your problems. Um, now everything is so structured and so regulated for kids Um, I wonder if they're really losing those skills on how to take care of themselves and how to resolve problems themselves and how to negotiate. Um, And through play, they, they do learn those skills.
3: Do you have a comment on that? Yeah, that is really true. What we're seeing more and more is that when children are engaged in deep, meaningful play, something that is initiated by them, that they're in full control, in full charge of what they're doing, that they're part of the decision-making. They begin to really get deeper understanding of other people, how they move, even their body language, the cues that, that they're sending. So they're better able to really read what is going on when they're given the opportunities to really get into problem-solving and arguments. And when we mean arguments, we really mean those deep discussions that need to happen. All of this is manifested in play, and it won't happen when there's full control of an adult. So sometimes it is the role of the adult to just step back, set up what we call a provocation or an invitation to explore and allow the child to be able to engage in a group in a collaborative setting. They, They set up their own rules. They really begin to understand what they're saying. This is also the best way for children to acquire a sense of time to recognize important mathematical concepts such as amount, quantity, um, symbols. But like you say, one of the most important things that they acquire is that ability to self-regulate, a sense of agency, and also it develops their creativity, which is what's really going to motivate them to be successful in the long run. Okay. You know, so I
2: wanted when, to just add on I'm, to that if I, I can. You're, Lisa, I'm sure you're aware Lisa, this is Lisa. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop you for just a minute because cause hold that thought. And as soon as we come back from the break, I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to start off with that, okay? Um, actually, when we come back from the break, after Lisa is done, we're really going to be then talking about what loose parts really are and how we can really integrate this into our play with children and how, as parents, you can integrate it uh, into what you're, what you're doing at home. Stay with us.
4: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: At SarahCare, we provide daytime activities in health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. transportation and financial assistance is available call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how sarah care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com that's s-a-r-a-h care.com
0: what causes us to be sick
4: life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at Caught Between Generations.com. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back to Call Between Generations. We've been having a really, really great conversation with Lisa Daly and Miriam Belikovsky. They're the authors of Loose Parts: Inspiring Play in Young Children and Inspiring Play with Infants and Toddlers. And we were talking about the correlation and the connection between play and school readiness skills and later academic success. And and I thank them. They did a. I know it was a, a little long, but it was a great job of uh, uh, I think explaining to us what the connection are between those things. Before we took the break, Lisa, I um, you were about to say something and I'm so sorry I interrupted you. Could you continue your thought? I wanted to um, just highlight the work of
0: Dr. Stuart Brown, um, who has done some amazing things um, in the field of play and understanding play. And we were talking about self-regulation. I just wanted to mention um, his research. Um, you know, it really started in 1966 when there was a a young architectural engineering student. Um, his name was Charles Whitman. And he climbed to the tower of the University of Texas in Austin, and he started shooting people. And at that time, Dr. Brown was a young psychiatrist, and he was asked um, to come in and see if he could find out what actually happened and what triggered. And so he did a study and really looked into Whitman's childhood, which then led to him looking into the lives of really off-the-wall um, felons um, and what he discovered is that they had not played as children. So when they were forced with something in a situation, they didn't know how to respond because they had not had experiences playing with other children, playing out and about, so that they could really develop that self-regulation. So I just wanted to make sure your your listeners had that information.
2: I, I, I thank you for um, adding that, but I, I, I would piggyback on that and say, I think the key in that is that in that play at that time that he is talking about, he's talking about unregulated, unsupervised play to some extent, where children are, as I said before, working through their problems with each other and negotiating with each other. I mean, even simple, what we used to call sociodramatic play, where you decide, well, we're going to play house today and you're going to be the mother, I'll be the father, you be the baby, this is what's going to happen. That, that is a form of negotiation. Um, and so when adults are always on top of children and we are always taking control of what they're doing, including their play, um, the children just don't get these skills that they need to have. Um, and then they do grow up with with ish, serious issues and problems. So, exactly, it's Im- yep. play is important. So, I want to talk to you because I loved your books, um, and I want to ask you, um, how do you define loose parts?
3: What what are loose parts? Well, loose parts. The term was actually coined by an architect, Simon Nichols Nicholson. I'm sorry, in 1971. And loose parts are any open-ended material that children can manipulate in any way they choose or they want to use. Um, So it can be anything like a rock, what we call tree cookies or slices of a tree, branches, things that can be natural found in the environment where they can make whatever they choose to make with it from a soup or, or a potion or just building with them or creating different things. They have full control of the material, so their imagination can go anywhere.
2: So, what are the benefits, some of the benefits of loose parts?
0: Wow, where to begin? Good <laughs> my um, Listen, you <laughs> have until the a next really break. So go, go for it. <laughs> what I would like to say is that we um, now really see loose parts as an educational philosophy, awesome. um, just much more than loose materials to put into a play environment. Uh, we've been conducting some research with Dr. Annie White, who is at. Um, California, um, what is it, UC California. California Channel Islands, and we have been really looking at teacher dispositions and also at children's play and their development and their learning and how teachers teaching skills and practices change and how children's learning and development changes uh, when you put loose parts into the environment. And we've been finding some very exciting um, things. Uh, One of the biggest things for me is that children are much better at problem solving, at critical thinking, they have higher imaginations and higher creativity. Uh, something called symbolic representation just skyrocketed. You know, that's um, taking something and pretending it's something else because you have to have a, you know, visual memory, um, you know, so they might take a stick and pretend that it's a car or they might take a tile and pretend that it's a telephone. Um, and we've seen infants as young as eight months um, who are doing the symbolic representation. Um, so it really has been huge um, in seeing children. Um, oh, my gosh, their play is just phenomenal, and their learning is, has just been really
3: great. Uh, do you want to address kind of what we've seen in teachers? And Yes. With teachers, we've also seen a um, higher level of engagement. They're feeling a lot more creative they're able to interact with the children and more important, they're able to observe and respond to children's interests. I think one of the big aha moments that we've had in this work is in one of the programs we've been working with. They, um, I think he was like 18 months or two year old came in and he had a lot of high level anxiety. And the moment we changed the environment and really infused it with only loose parts, his anxiety went way down because there was not a demand for something that he was doing to be the right way to do it. He had the ability to manipulate it and do it in a way that felt comfortable for him. And that also supported the teacher and begin to relax and engage with that child at a deeper level. So for so, both the benefit has been fantastic.
2: So I'm not a teacher, you know, I'm just a I'm just a parent or I'm just a caregiver, but I'm not an educator for young children. Could be my grand could be my grandchildren, nieces, nephews, whatever it is. So how do I, you know, use loose parts and integrate that into play in my house? How do I do that?
0: Well, I think that I'm really delighted that you asked that question because part of our work has been working with families and helping with family engagement. And what we've discovered is that families are relieved that they do not have to go out and spend a lot of money on the, the best toy or something that's electronic. Um, so it's taken a lot of pressure and stress off of them. It's also brought family members back to their own childhood. You know, this is what I did as a child and what I found so valuable. So they are things that you have in your cupboard. So in your kitchen, you know, having a drawer with pots and pans, with lids that the children can, can bang and use, or having empty um, Tupperware or containers that they can um, that they can have, um, things such as scarves, which are fantastic. You know, a scarf could be worn as a, you could be a bride or you could wrap it around and be a superhero or lay it on the floor and it could, you could have a picnic or horses could come up and it could be your your water. So those kinds of open-ended materials you might have um, around your house, um, coasters that you put drinks on, um, napkin rings. Um, If you just start opening your cabinet doors and drawers and even do a little investigating in your garage or or around, um, you would be amazed at all of the loose parts that you have in a home.
2: So, for all of you, um, the, the listeners who want to find all these loose parts, I recommend you go back and listen to an earlier show on getting your home and and things organized in your house. Because I think when you do that and you follow that plan, which is a great plan by the way, you're going to find um, that you have a lot of things you can you can use for this sitting in sitting in your house. So, I have a question. Okay, so. I have these things, but, but how do I integrate these learning principles into my daily life with my kids? I mean, I've got grocery shopping, I've got laundry, I've got cleaning. I mean, I'm taking care of multiple generations. I mean, it's just overwhelming. So how do I, how do, I do this? Because I don't have an hour um, to sit down and do a, you know, an effective sculpture out of loose parts with, one, with my children.
3: I think that's the beauty of loose parts. They are everywhere. I mean, I think Lisa and I, as we travel throughout the country, we always come back with a different loose part. We call them unexpected discoveries. So I was smiling when you were talking about the grocery store because I have found some of the most amazing loose parts at the grocery stores, which is the end of the grocery bags. They have these wonderful little tubes. So connect collecting it becomes part of the play. The children love to have collections. So they look around for things to put in their pockets and they keep uh, bringing them with them. So it just takes away that pressure that you have to constantly be entertaining them. Um, We organize a lot of things in baskets. So they're available all over so that the children can move them from one place to the other. And they are, again, in charge of their environment um, because they're organized well it looks, I mean, I'm, I'm even sitting in my house and I'm looking at boxes of these parts of decorations. So it becomes that really simple way of integrating play into day life, everyday life. You know,
2: I think that is an absolutely g- fabulous idea, all right, that you could go on a hunt. In effect, um, for things we could use in our loose parts play or whatever it is you want to call it in your house while you're in places like the grocery store, which we all know is like high risk tension times um, Mm -hmm. with kids crying and misbehaving and doing all kinds of things. So I thank you for that. I think that's a really great idea. So before the next break, I have a quick question um, I need to ask you. I actually know the answer because I read it in your book, which is why what I, I really want to ask you. And that is that loose parts tend can tend to be very small. So the question becomes a safety question, and that is how do you judge what you can give to an infant or toddler? And we only have a minute, so answer me if you can quickly. Well, the easiest
0: way to do it is to use a toilet paper tube. And if the object fits inside of the toilet paper tube, then it is too small to give to an infant or a toddler on their own. Um, there are choking tubes that are commercially made products that you can buy. Um, they have a little bit smaller opening, but the toilet paper tube is an easy way. Most everybody has toilet paper in their house, so it's a quick way to, to determine the size.
2: Okay, thank you. Okay, we're going to take another quick break, and when we return, I'm going to talk to Lisa and Miriam about how you respond um, to what your children have created um, or done with their loose parts. We're also going to be talking about some hot topics, boys versus girls, technology. I want to ask their advice about store toys and video. We'll be right back.
4: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities, call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care.
1: There is a distinct connection between your physical health and your spiritual health. You would be surprised at how closely the two go hand in hand. By taking care of your body, you take care of your spirit. And it works the other way, too. Honor God with what He gave you. Listen for the Divine Wellness Academy radio program with Troy Izmir. Tune in live every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. And be inspired to use your body for God's glory. We are surrounded by crises, domestic violence, mental health issues, rape, suicide. Often, we feel alone if we are dealing with these issues ourselves or we feel powerless to help others who are dealing with them. You don't have to feel alone. Listen for The Journey, Stories of Crisis and Hope with Jessica Piro. The show is an open forum to share and get advice from others and guest experts and begin or continue the healing process. Listen live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at ConcreteTweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back to Call Between Generations. We've been talking to Lisa Daly and Miriam Beloglowski about their work with loose parts. Um, And we were having a very interesting conversation before the break about how you can integrate loose parts uh, into your daily life with children, including when you're in the grocery store or when you're doing laundry. So, now I want to ask you a question. When I was uh, a graduate student, um, part of my My training was in, you know, normal, what they called normal early childhood development and then normal child development. And so in early childhood at that time, you know, we were taught not to define um, what the child had produced. So if they painted something or if they made a, a structure, you would not say, oh, what a beautiful you know, landscape that is, or oh, what a beautiful horse that is. Um, and one of the reasons for that is some, most of the time you were wrong. And the child would tell you, no, 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 that's not a horse. It's a whatever it is. Um, and so we were trained at that time to say, so tell me about your picture. Or tell me about what you've created. Is that still what's being recommended, or is the recommendation different?
3: I think what we talk about now is just the idea of really observing what the child is doing. And the best form of engagement with the child is by listening, observing, and supporting them in continuing their idea and their interest. Um, the language becomes more natural. So it gets more to be about what the child is doing. But it's also getting them into more of the inquiry process. So thinking about what helped you make that. How did you get there? I wonder what would happen if you did this. I wonder what else you can use. So it's beginning to create that sense of wonder, that sense of curiosity, that sense of deep thinking and inquiry.
2: Okay. So let's talk about boys versus girls, because it's been a hot topic in the news, especially since Target uh, was forced to take down their signs that defined girls' toys and boys' toys. So, you know, do you see a difference in play styles between boys and girls? Um, Absolutely.
0: I think there are differences um, between the sexes. But what I would like to say is I think loose parts um, are gender-neutral. and so children can use them, male or female, any way that they desire and how they would like to. And that's one of the beauty. I think regardless of your age or your gender or your ability, um, it doesn't matter because a loose part doesn't have a specific way you have to put it together or that it has to be used. And so children have total freedom to be able to to use it as they see and, and they desire. Um, so you know, a a boy or a girl could take a piece of um, material and, you know, wrap it around and have it be clothing. Um, You know, a girl could put it on a cape and as a cape and be a superhero or, you know, a boy might actually want to put it on as an apron. And so the open-endedness of loose parts really diffuses a lot of that and allows children to choose how they would like to use the materials.
2: What about um, loose parts with children with uh, special needs?
3: That's another one of the things that we have been learning as we're doing more of this work and the research, that they are easily manipulated by children with special needs because of the way that they are um, so open-ended again. You know, we look at things that, if you look at the texture of some of the natural materials, it really allows for the grass for a child that has a special need. Um, If you look at, I don't know, I'm thinking uh, different rocks or different stones or even some form of sticks, it allows them to hold them. It allows them to bang them. It allows them to manipulate them and control them. So it's really, really encompassing. And what has been really wonderful is when we're setting environments with loose parts, we hear a lot of people saying, wow, this is so inclusive. So
2: do you find though that the loose parts may be too fluid and too open-ended um, for certain types of children perhaps a child with ADHD or a child who's autistic I
0: personally do not feel that. Um, I have seen children with ADHD, um, it, and again, that's a label on a child, but when children have opportunities to use their, their big muscles, and there are ramps and gutters and planks for them, and they're able to carry them and move them, and it takes a lot of body strength and a lot of energy for them to do that. And then they can watch water rushing down a, a gutter, or they can... See a ball come down a a plank. Um, you know, so um, or children um, you know who might be on the autism spectrum, you know, having the ability to um, you know insert something over and over again, or to do a circulating or rotating um, schema mm-hmm. um, with a loose part, you know, with a wheel that they can make go round and round. so, it really affords opportunity for children to do what they need and uh, what they desire. And children are incredibly capable and competent of, of knowing what they need, and I believe that Loose Parts helps them with that.
2: So, I just received an email, actually, um, from Paula, who said, um, I'm a little confused because I think loose parts sounds wonderful, and I, and I think it would be great for use with my children, but is it exclusive? I mean, um, for example, you know, what about, you know, like the Einstein videos for, for infants or young children? I mean, what's your feeling about those
3: um, I I think I don't see the comparison between Loose parts and the videos. I it, think it, loose it's parts are more open ended. Right.
2: Let me let me just stop you. It's a, I don't I think her question is is it's on an issue of making a comparison. It's I think for her it's an issue of saying, I, I understand loose. I think I understand loose parts, and I certainly understand based on what I'm reading, that she certainly understands the value of it. But she's saying, you know, in addition, it's not instead of, it's in addition to loose parts. I mean, what is your feeling about things like the Einstein videos, for instance, for for babies?
3: Okay. I, I do not, I'm not a proponent of setting a child, or especially a, a young infant in front of a television or in front of a computer or an iPad. I think before infants can make really big connections to technology, they need to first play with tools. And they are wonderful tools that are loose parts because then they begin to make sense of things. Um, I worked in a very early in my career with a developmental optometrist, and what he was noticing is that the use of the videos and the television and the iPads, what was happening is children were losing their ability to track. And that was very concerning. We also conducted research, and we came up with 75% of the five kindergartens. Um, uh, we had five kindergartens that we tested, and 75% of the children had already vision problems due to it. It is an interesting study, and I think it's very important to recognize that. I understand that there are videos there. I understand the the iPads. However, we need to get back to that really wholesome way of being with children where they can use their whole entire body and not just sit in front of a television.
2: Mm-hmm. So, the
0: next- I just want to add that children learn through their whole senses and the way they learn is by actively touching and manipulating something and putting it in their mouth and so you know, they need to physically touch it and move it and hold it and grasp it and play with it but before it can become part of their brain and what they know they have to have experience with the real thing and a screen does not give them experience with the real item
2: Right. So, another listener just just said, um, if she's going, actually, if he, sorry about that, if he's going to buy toys and, and, and they are going to want to buy some toys, what should I buy then? I mean, what would support um, my using loose loose parts? Well,
0: for A me, block. it would be building blocks, wooden blocks. Um, mm-hmm. Blocks are loose parts, and I think that would be a perfect toy to buy. Um, there are also things like kinetic sand, um, you know, for children or clay. You know, it's a loose part for them. I think any of those kinds of materials would be wonderful, and and maybe instead of thinking of buying a toy, you know, instead, um, not everybody has access to rocks or seashells or. Um, you know, paint stirs, but maybe making a trip to a local hardware store or a, a store that has, you know, materials like that that you can put together for your child. Um, children love measuring cups and measuring spoons um, that they can pour and dump and empty and fill, all kinds of science and math concepts happening. So uh, perhaps instead of thinking of a toy toy at a toy store, there might be other
3: stores that they would visit where they could um, purchase some items for their children. I'm even thinking things simple as cove molding to create Mm -hmm. Mm ramps. I think Lisa and I find incredible loose parts when we go shopping in some furniture stores where they, you know, the, the packaging becomes part of what we collect and bring with us. So just being creative in selecting the materials rather than spending money on an expensive toy.
2: So that's interesting because we've talked about this in an earlier part of the show. It's almost like the treasure hunt uh, for loose parts. That I'm assuming you're recommending that you could do that with your children. I mean, you could go to a hardware store, or go to a furniture store, or go s- to the dollar store, or wherever, uh, on the hunt, on the hunt for loose parts.
0: Absolutely, or take a walk together, you know, around your neighborhood, or um, fall is starting to happen, leaves are starting to fall, loose parts are, are leaves are great loose parts. Um, uh, for older children, certainly things like acorns or um, sycamore pine Balls or pine cones, um, you know, all of those kinds of things. You could go out on a nature hunt with your child and collect things. And don't forget the cardboard box.
2: That's probably one of the very best loose parts around. That's true. You know, I I heard someone say once, uh, it was actually a comedian, who talked about how they spent you know all of this money um lots and lots of money thousands when he first became successful buying great wonderful toys for their children they were so happy that they could have finally afford to do this and the kids spent a lot of the days just playing with the boxes um mm-hmm. and, and they were so frustrated because they spent most of the time playing with the boxes and not with the not with these you know fantastic supposedly you know expensive toys they had bought them so mm mm-hmm. You're right. Okay. We're going to go for a quick break. And when we return, we're going to talk about a little bit about creativity and um, communication. And then we're going to find out how we can continue, you can continue to talk with Lisa and Miriam. We'll be right back.
4: Life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved ones' needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants transportation, and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at SarahCare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-Care.com.
4: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: to caught between generations to reach our program today please call 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 you may also send an email to dr merrill at caught now back to the show
2: welcome back to caught between generations where we've been talking about loose parts Um, So how do loose parts um, help children develop creativity?
3: Well, if you think about the idea of creativity, which is really beginning to develop new ideas and innovation and using your imagination to do that. So because of loose parts being so open-ended, it allows the child to come up with their own idea and representing it in different ways. We use a lot of loose parts in art. In many of the places now, we, we created spaces where it's just loose parts to give children the opportunity of be creative and come up with their own concepts in their work. Um, it can be seen also in construction. When children get into deep, deep building of wonderful structures, they're being creative. They're coming up with their own concepts. So loose parts are really promoting creativity in many different ways. They begin to sort of emerge their hidden patterns, their hidden, hidden thinking. They begin to make, uh, do what we call meaning, make, uh, meaning making or making sense of things. And all of this innovation uh, it's tinkering. It's the idea of I can do this and be in charge and create something wonderful.
2: You, you know, as a um, as a child, I was terrible at art. I mean, really terrible. Um, and so, I was one of those students where we had to draw, you know, a particular thing, a castle, uh, whatever it was. And you know, the art teacher would always come around and say, ah, "That's the response I would get." Ah. Well, okay, good try, Meryl. You know, it was very, very um, disconcerting, and it was upsetting to me as a a child. So I can see how loose parts would allow you to really just enmesh yourself in the process and be really, really creative, because in the end, you don't have to create a product that is, you know, someone else's image. Uh,
3: Lisa, do you want to talk a little bit about revisiting
0: Oh, that's a great, yes. Um, when you are, um, perhaps a child's learning how to build a tower in the block area or with blocks at home, and they continually are, have opportunities to, to build it over and over and over again until they master the stability and the solid foundation. Or if they're having a challenge with, um, I don't know, maybe there's a new baby who's come into the family, and so they're role-playing that and and trying to make sense of what's happening and and where do they fit now in the position in the family. So we have opportunities for children to come back and revisit in a lot of ways. But art seems to be one way. We don't do that. Um, In classrooms, you come in, and today we're all going to be finger painting. And then you come in the next day, and now we're all doing this mosaic together. And then you come in another day. And so... As adults, we typically change what the medium is for children. So when you have loose parts and they're readily available, children can come in and they can work on, you know, doing patterning or color mixing. Um, but it gives them a chance to revisit um, there was a little girl who was making circles everywhere and everything. And so on a light table, there was sand, and she was making circles in the sand. And she was drawing circles with a paintbrush and water outside on concrete. And she was um, taking crayons and drawing circles. And just it gave her this opportunity to really revisit. And it ended up that that was the beginning of a face for her. Um, And it was her family. But the teachers, you know, had multiple ways for her to to practice. So children need a chance to revisit.
2: Well, thank you so much uh, for being with us today. This has been not only did I think we learned a lot, but it's been very, very interesting. And you gave us great ways of integrating this uh, into our homes. Thank you so much. How do we continue to learn from you and grow from your wisdom?
3: Um, We have a website called reflective-perspective.com and we sometimes put um, write blogs in there. We are presenting pretty much all over. We're doing presentations with the libraries now. Uh, The next one will be at the Poconos in Philadelphia. Uh, Well, not in Philadelphia. We're flying into Philadelphia. Um, We're doing the National Association for the Education our young children in the nationals and they can always find us through red leaf press mm-hmm. that's great and
0: and on our website reflectiveperspectives um reflective com, we have our favorite baker's dozen of loose parts right now so mm-hmm. your listeners could check in and see what we find to be our favorite 13
3: loose parts okay and they'll create the loose parts facebook page
2: thank you so much Uh, We really appreciate your being with us today. It's Lisa Daly and Miriam Beloglovsky, authors of Loose Parts, Inspiring Play in Young Children, and in Infants and Toddlers. Thank you so much, Lisa and Miriam. Thank Thank you for having us. Thank you. So um, my takeaway tomorrow on Facebook Live is going to deal with With play, uh, we're going to talk about two issues. We're going to talk about time. How much time do you really need to devote to play? Um, And I know that you get very, very frustrated at times because you think in order to really have quality time with your children, that means you need to have an hour or a half hour. And I'm going to talk to you tomorrow on Facebook Live about how all you really need is about 10 to 15 minutes to really, really have some quality time with your children during the week, especially when you're working and things are so hectic. And I'm also going to talk to you about how you can use play with your children to help you, both of you actually, your child or your children and yourself, get through those difficult transitional times. So we're talking about the times when you come home from work and you come into the house and everybody's stressed and exhausted and maybe you have to get dinner together or do laundry or whatever you have to do and the kids are stressed out from the day how can we use play 10 or 15 minutes, that's it, to make those times so much easier for us? And then how we can use that 10 to 15 minutes worth of play to make bedtime even easier so you're you're not standing and screaming for 10 or 15 minutes, go to bed. Otherwise, it's much easier to be playing for 10 to 15 minutes. And for those of you who say, I don't like to play, I never like to play, I don't know what to play, I don't like what my child is playing, we're also going to talk about that tomorrow. So I hope you're really going to join me uh, tomorrow morning at 9.30 Eastern Standard Time on Facebook Live. Or, you know, you can always catch Facebook Live, actually. It's Facebook Live Caught Between Generations. I hope you'll continue to email me and remember what you're supposed to be doing this week one thing for yourself that's it just one thing for yourself and continue to email me at drmarla caught between generations.com i want to hear what that one thing is that you've done for yourself all right you know you're really important just one thing take good care of yourself this week thanks for listening
1: We're tuning into Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.